Welcome, my fellow wannabes. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Gabriel Fast, and joining me on this particular episode of Game Club, we have the pure one, Carter Fast, my brother. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well on this on this eve. It's about 6, 6 p.m. I have a little tummy ache. I went to uh, McDonald's. I got myself some chicken McNuggets, and uh, I'm paying for it right now. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty gross. How 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 are you? Are, you seem a little down. You seem a little right. a little a little downtrodden. I'm not feeling too well. Okay, not, and you I'm decided okay. and you decided to to do this podcast anyway mm-hmm. because you love me. Because I love you, just for you. God bless you, ladies and gentlemen. If you didn't know and you want to know. This is Game Club. We talk video games here a lot. We give a detailed review, sometimes over the course of several episodes, a couple times a month. Some of these games you already know, and some of these you don't, which is all the more reason to be a part of the club. All done in wannabe fashion and geek out, geeked out goodness. Excuse me. Today, we're reviewing The Beginner's Guide, which is uh, something you've probably never heard of. But in our constant efforts and attempts to make quality content, we have branched off into several podcast feeds, of which are available to you right now. So in addition to this podcast feed, you have The Wannabe Critic, your weekly stop for diversity, anything from random topics to comic reviews to album reviews to interviews to movie and TV show reviews. We also have Storytime, which uh, if you want to go check that out, that's fine. It is a handcrafted narrative uh, about Star Wars. And then also we have a guy in his wife. Where me and my wife, my beautiful wife Emma, we talk about movies and TV shows. But we're not here to talk about any of that stuff. Carter, we are here to talk about the beginner's guide. Now, that's the first time you've heard the spiel, isn't it? Me? Yeah, you've, you've, that's the first time you've heard that, right? I think so. Okay, well, yeah. yeah. How would you rate it? I've been each, each, each guest I've had on, I've had him, I've had him, I've had him give me give me rating. Would you just like a B minus, something like that? Mm, there, yeah, B. A B. B. Okay, okay, that's good. That's good. We strive for greatness here. So there you go. Um, the beginner's guide. Now, Carter, you came over not too long ago, mm-hmm. and I had messaged you. You were coming over, and the night before you came over, I said, "Dude, you have to play this game so we can talk about it on the podcast." And that game is the beginner's guide. Now, some of you may have heard of a little game called the Stanley Parable. Um. And, you know, if you haven't, it's a little too... We're, we're, eventually, we're going to get to that game, but it's a little too complex to explain. But the creator of that game put out this game. And uh, I was looking for some, you know, kind of short-lived experiences, you know, um, with good narrative that we could review on the show. And everyone on Steam was recommending this game. So what was your kind of initial... Whenever I told you, dude, like this game is gonna blow your mind, what was your initial reaction? Like, were you like, "Oh boy, here we go again"? Like, what what did you th- what were you thinking to yourself? Well, I remember I had asked you if it was uh, like Edith Finch, and you said it was. So I was kind of not hoping for something like that, but I was expecting something like that, and it was nothing like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but I I. Re- it was interesting. Yeah. It, and it's one of those, and, and we're, we're treading into heavy, heavy spoiler territory here. Um, you know, and if you want to, what, what's that? You can't really talk about it. You can't, you can't talk about that. Yeah. You can't talk about this game without spoiling it. So this is your last chance. If you want to go play the beginner's guide, I, what, what did it take about you? It took about an two hour. Hours. It took hour and you an t- hour and a half to two hours tops. It was like 10 bucks on steam, something like that. If you would, would you spend ten dollars on this game, Carter? Absolutely, I would too. 
I think it is a, and it is one of those things of you, it's kind of like watching Unbreakable. Like Unbreakable is a really cool experience, but it's not necessarily a, a lot of fun to rewatch if you've already seen it. And that's kind of how I felt about this game. I felt like I had like a really good one and done experience. I'm glad it's in my library. And if, uh, you know, if anyone wants to try it out or whenever they come over, I'd be like, hey, check out this game because it, it kind of grabs you, you know, in a lot of ways. But fact of the matter is, is that we've been talking, you know, for a couple minutes now. This is your last chance. We're venturing into spoiler territory. We are going to be spoiling the end of the beginner's guide at some point in this episode. So if you want to go play it and come back to this conversation, cool. If you want to stick around, that's cool too. Um, so can, could you call this a game, Carter, really? We, we hear this thing of like walking simulators, right? What is your kind of take on what this is? It, it feels more like a, uh, I honestly, it's not a, it's, it doesn't feel like a game because there's nothing, I, I don't know. It's, it's very different. It is one of the weirdest experiences I've ever had playing a quote unquote game. And we're just going to kind of run you through the quote, like the quote unquote story. So this creator, um, I forget his name, creator of the Stanley Parable, Davey uh, something, Davey, Davey Reedon. Yeah. Davey Reedon. He comes on and he says, you know, I want to tell you this story about my friend named Coda. Uh, and he talks about how his friend Cody made these, you know, these games and uh, he would be able to play these games, you know, these little games that didn't really have a point to them. And he takes you through about eight or nine, well, maybe maybe like ten, ten different games, quote unquote, that his friend Coda made. Um, and he's true. He's right. There's no point to them. Some of them are just very basic layouts with things that don't make any sense and don't really have a point to them at all. They're just like this, this space you can, this space you can like explore in, you know, kind of, um, the first level. And, and he's, as, as the game goes on, he's like narrating what he is interpreting these games to mean, you know, or, or kind of like what his thought process is of, of how he's interpreting his friend's games. And, you know, would you say that's kind of like an accurate description of the, the, the gameplay, Carter? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. So you're not really – the movement is the same in all the games. You're, he's, he's just showing you his friend's games and trying to explain to you his interpretation. And I think the whole reason he made the game – or what you believe the whole reason at the beginning is because he wants to get his friend more recognition yeah. for his games. Yeah. And honestly, when, whenever I was playing it, it was 10, you know, 11 PM or something like that. And it was, it was like dead silent in my house. It was like this really, I felt like I was just being told a really interesting story. And my first thought as I'm going to this game, cause he keeps talking about this friend that he knows so well and how he played all these games and how he, you know, he really spent a lot of time in these, these things that took his friend weeks and months to make, you know, these really simple pointless, you know, these pointless games. And, um, I thought his friend died, you know, and he wanted to give his friend more recognition and, you know, it was going to be revealed to us that at the end of the game, you know, well, the, these games never saw the light of day because my friend died. He had depression and he kind of alludes to that throughout the entire thing of, you know, uh, my friend was depressed and all this stuff. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, he, um, yeah, he's, 
he he thinks that he understands his friend and that's kind of why he he keeps pushing his friend to make these games uh, for him and so he can show people yeah exactly and his he he talks about how people would appreciate this thing or maybe if he had some guidance or whatever he would be able to make these things and these 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 little games are pretty impressive for one person to make. You know, if you know anything about game development, how long it takes to do, you know, to make a game, um, or, you know, even a simple level. You know, I had a friend who was in game development a little bit, and it just, to, to get something as simple as guiding a, a circle through a hoop, like, it is kind of a challenging thing to do. So the fact that this guy was making these experiences by himself um, was pretty interesting to me. Um, and the the level of design was somewhat was was impressive i was impressed and i think and it's it's kind of hard to you know go back to every single one of them that you play cuz there's there's these really weird things in all this in all these games like for instance um davy goes on to tell us that it got to a point to where he he wanted his friends games to have a point to them and for whatever reason his friend coda like to put these uh, street lamps or street lights in these games. And like once you got to a street light, whatever reason, he, he, the designer liked those street lights. So once you got to the street light, you're done with the level pretty much. Like, okay, there's a point to it now, so to speak. But really, the game never had any point to it. I didn't, I didn't fire or I didn't shoot at one enemy. I didn't really, I, well, you do talk to an NPC or a couple of NPCs at one point. Um... Was there any game that really stuck out to you as like, or any of these, you know, mini games that stuck out to you as like, what am I playing type thing? Uh, most most of them, but I think my fa- my favorite one was definitely the house one, where you're you're basically just going around a house cleaning. Yeah, over yeah, and over. Okay, and so it's just really pleasant music. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. So up to up to this point, with the, the game that Carter's talking about. And like I said before, Davey is giving his commentary on what he thinks these games mean as the as the, the these things are progressing. And he had to splice all these games in together. It's not one thing that was just there. Um, and this by this point, I would say this is probably the most interactive and probably the best game in the whole, you know, the whole batch of games that we get. And it's the one where you you go to this thing, you you start out and you see a house to your right and a door to your left, but you can't go to the door to your left until you go through the house. And basically there's just this NPC in there that's kind of telling you to um, clean the house. Like, hey, uh, go straighten up these books or go, you know, straighten up the rug or go make the bed. And Davey goes on to tell us that this loop is never ending. Like you can just spend endless time doing all these things that this NPC is asking you to do. And he commentates that he feels like this was a kind of a, a point of, you know, um, progression for Coda and a point of maybe he's in a good headspace. And I don't understand why he doesn't want to share these experiences, but you know, maybe this thing of wanting to be a better person or, or keeping something together, um, well, maybe he's in a better headspace than he has been in. Would you say that was a pretty accurate interpretation of what Davey thought about this particular one? Yeah, and I think that he was looking so deeply into it uh, was because I think before this, pretty much all the games were sort of about escaping different prisons. Yeah, kind of. And so, yeah, sort of, sort of, and like, but in super weird ways. And so Davey thought that 
he was interpreting interpreting it as uh, Coda being depressed. Depressed. Or something. Yeah. And so whenever he made this game, that it was that was just very pleasant. And even though you're doing like three things and you're just clicking a button, you feel like you could probably stay there for an hour. Like it's just super. You get, it's very immersive, even though it's not pleasant to look at. It's weird. It was a really a weird. weird it was it felt like it was crafted from the heart a little bit like it really came from a place of this this designer knew exactly what he was trying to do and executing it and we're going to come back to the theme of video games as an art form um later on in this discussion um because our friend Davey is interpreting all of these games as oh this is an outcry this guy's just shy you know he wants to share him and the guy would, you know, Coda would make a game and pretty much only share it with Davey. Like, he didn't really broadcast it out there, but, you know, Davey would tell all these people about how great these, these games are and, you know, try and get recognition. And Davey kind of divulges to us later on that um, that made him feel good because, you know, he would tell people about these things and it kind of gave him a sense of importance and a sense of, of want of like, oh, I have this thing that nobody else has. And, um, you know, I, I want this, uh, you know, I'm getting recognition based off of my friend's work, basically. So long story short, you know, and we're just going to kind of go to the end of, of this thing. Our, our friend Davey continues to find these elaborate, you know, they get they somewhat get more elaborate, uh, these games. And some of them, you know, they get a little more complex and a little more different looking, but they all seem to have kind of like a pointed two sided image, you know, like. What, what we're experiencing as a player was actually intended really for Davey because Davey is the only one who is actually playing these games. But we as a player now are getting to experience what this person was trying to tell us through these, these things that he was putting out, which is a really weird space to be in. And yeah. that's my wife he because I forgot to... Uh, um, um, I forgot to, uh, you know, turn my Beautiful. phone off. So we're going we're gonna to let her be on the show. Emma Fast, you are on the Wannabe Critics Game Club. How are you? Hey, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. We are right in the smack dab middle of a conversation. Can I call you back? Of course. <laughs> okay. Hi, Emma. All right, bye. Bye-bye. Love, Love you too. All right. That's my um, wonderful wife, Emma, uh, part of a guy and his wife. Um, can you continue on with your thought, please? You forgot it, didn't you? No, no, no. So, well, I was just going to say this whole time, if you didn't already feel how Davey felt about these games, you start to kind of think the way he is. Like, yes. each game is reflecting uh, Coda's feelings. Psyche a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So you start kind of adopting the same uh, feelings that Davey has. And he really is. He is kind of guiding you in that in that way. And and I totally fell prey to it as well. I'm like, oh, well, this myth makes a lot of sense, you know, what this guy's saying and, you know, his interpretations of all these things. But but as the games go on, the message seems to be more and more pointed. Um and, you know, we can't I don't want to go into extraneous detail about the games that are to follow, but after Davy takes us through a handful more of, you know, Coda's creations, he, it comes to an end. And Davy says, okay, and this was the last game I heard from Coda for a really long time. Um, months and months went by. So up to this point, 
just to kind of recap, all these games that we've been playing, Davey is telling us that his friend is shy, he is depressed, he has little self-worth, um, you know, or he, he thinks he might have little self, self-worth, all these other things, and that's kind of the narrative we are being given, and that's what we kind of buy into as a player, is that this guy has problems, whatever. Would you say that's pretty accurate? Yeah. Then we get one more game to play. And Davey goes on to tell us that he had to spend a lot of time to play this game because it was designed specifically for him. And he said he got a file with, like, no name on it, and it's this really weird game where it would be near impossible to beat. Because I watched you trying to play the minigame, and it's like there's an invisible maze. Every time you are trying to play through this maze, like, you you get... You get put back to the beginning of the maze because there's invisible walls. And he said that the, the design is intent to be undesirable to get you to quit. And it goes back to earlier in the game where he said that him and his friend always had the disagreement of should games, should all games be playable? Should all games have a purpose to them? Should all games have a point to them? And they used to get in this argument all the time of that. And from this design and what I experienced, if this was a game that I had paid money for, I'd be pissed because it was undesirable. It did seem like someone was intentionally trying to get me to not finish the game. Like it was only meant for them. And they were the one that knew all the secrets and how to beat the game. Is that kind of how you felt about it? Yeah. Yeah. And so didn't it end up being to where basically, um, Davey was the only other person that could play the game. Yes, exactly. Because he was basically making him send him the games. Well, yeah, like no one else played this game. Like no one else played it. It was just Davey. So I think after – so I think the game you're talking about, there's the maze. And then after that, you have to guess a – A random number. Between like 1 and 999,000. Yeah. And if you're to get that, then you – it lets you pass that challenge into a room that you can't get any further. Yeah. So the game is unbeatable. Yeah, it's an un- it's an unbeatable game. So if like you would have spent a lot of time, like it, th- there are so many measures taken to keep you out of what this game is trying to tell you. But whenever we get to the end of it, you know, and and this is really just the cliff notes of what we experienced as players. Whenever you get to the end of it, Davey tells us, you know, there's no way to open this door, even if you get the other two challenges correct. There's no way to open this door. So he says, I'm going to open it for you and show you what's in here. So when you walk in, you open the door, and there's just all of these phrases that are plastered, kind of like what you might see in a museum with a painting, how it's all lit up from the floor. And all of these things are lit up, and it's a really meticulous design, actually, to try and get its message across. And what the words are saying is, the first thing that you see is it says, Davey, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for taking an interest in my games, but I'm going to have to ask that you never speak to me again. And at that moment, for me, as a player, I'm like, holy crap, I had this whole thing so wrong. Like I am so I I am in the wrong because 
I'm thinking exactly how Davy was thinking. And then it all starts to click to me. And then sure enough, you see all these phrases like, did you think that I was making my games just for you or for other people? Like, did you think that there had to be a point to this, to this game? You know, why did you feel like you had to keep showing people my work and, you know, getting recognition? He's like, there's nothing wrong with me. Like, stop trying to make, stop trying to make something wrong with me because there's something wrong with you. And that was like, wow, you know, for me, that was a really, that, that's whenever it really hit me, whenever you get to that, that room. And that's kind of the design of, of this whole experience. And so you might ask yourself as a player, like, why would this guy make this game? You know, why, why would this guy put all these games together and put them out and continue to go against what Coda wanted from the beginning? Because it's pretty obvious he wasn't making those games for anyone else other than himself. And I mean, would you say that's kind of accurate, Carter? Yeah, for sure. I mean, what 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 did you experience whenever you got to that room? Yeah, I mean, as soon as that all happened, it see, I mean, it just I I was wondering if if, if it was real because it's basically the whole game's just a big apology, basically. Yes, exactly. So it was like this is it. It made me uncomfortable. It it really did because you felt like. And then, of course, you know, we kind of get let off the hook as to what's going on. The developer at the end of the game says to us, you know, I don't know what I did wrong, and I, I realize that there's a lot that I have to work on, and I'm trying to be a better person, but, you know, I just, I want you, and I'm, I'm sorry that I've shown off your work to all these people now, again, like, in telling the story and stuff, but, like, I, I want us to be friends again, you know? Because at this point, Coda has not spoken to Davey. Uh, for year for like a year at this point like didn't say anything and whenever we learned that coda has not spoken to davy in a year i'm like oh well he's dead he's obviously dead you know has to be and did mm -hmm. that did that thought ever cross your mind like oh this guy well yeah he, he's depressed he's a lone soul like he has to be dead yeah i either thought it was that or maybe it was davy's games or something yeah or like maybe maybe davy was kind of talking about like his alternate his alter ego or like it was like a fight club situation where it's been you know spoiler alert for fight club but like i don't know i thought there was gonna be some kind of weird twist but like you hit it right on the head it's an apology and at the end of the game he's like i i just want to say i'm sorry like i, I just want to i want you to be my friend and i want you to make games again um and to this day like they've still never spoken so, you know, since this, since like 2011. And he was making all these games from 2008 to 2011. It's really interesting to see Coda's growth as a developer. Um, but at the end of this experience, what does it, you know, kind of tell you about humans? I mean, what do you get out of this? What does it tell me about people? Well, before I answer that, there was a review I was reading and it, it has someone that had played the game multiple times. And, uh, she said the first time she played the game, she felt angry because she felt like she was involved in like a huge violation of someone's privacy, mm. which is kind of how I felt. That's yeah. I, I, I totally felt like that at the end of it. I had very mixed emotions at the end of it. Continue. Mm -hmm. But the, she said she played it, I think, one or two more times, and she said that she thinks that the game is actually a metaphor. Uh, she thinks that um, Reden, uh, that Coda is not actually an estranged uh, friend of Reden. Instead, 
Reedon is stepping into the role of players and critics who insist that their games conform to their desires and they're always looking for answers and things, even though game developers are not always trying to appease. Like if you, if you don't perfectly appease the crowd, then your game is not a certain way that it's being interpreted to be, but really game, sometimes game developers just want to make a game that they want to make. Yes. And it gets so commercialized. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting and I hadn't really thought about it that way, but that very, that, that might be the case. I don't know. Well, and yeah, that's the thing is I, I don't know why he would come out and lie, you know, and I don't know how much he's spoken about this particular topic. And, yeah. um, but I, I totally, and that's kind of what the, the discussion that I wanted to get in. And I'm glad you pulled up that review is video games is an art form. So, what is classified? Give me your, you know, your wannabe's honest opinion as to what art is to you. What art is? Yeah, art. I think it's the, in whatever you do, the manifestation of your feelings into whatever you like doing. Yes, perf- that's perfect. This is what Webster says. The expression or application of human creative skill and imagination, typically in a visual form such as painting or sculpture, produce, producing works to be appreciated primarily for their beauty or emotional power. Beauty or emotional power. So, to me, the question of has this medium of video games ever been an art form, this is every bit as important as, and maybe even more than the books you read, than the movies you watch, than the TV you watch, than the, you know, than the art you see. Like, it, it is every bit as important as that because to me, someone, and you're, you're kind of going along with this, like someone who makes something, that is a form of expression. And they may just be making it because that's what makes them f- feel, like feel something. There's a lot of messed up people or people that have a lot of problems in this world. And, um, you know, all of us have problems, obviously. And I truly believe that there is a, a medium or an outlet out there for anyone, you know, and video games just happens to be one of those ones where I appreciate it from, for a different, you know, from a different perspective than most. And I've always, I mean, you've known me my entire life. Like I've defended video games whenever, you know, quote unquote, learned adults would laugh in your face at you, you know, about video games. And obviously there are bad ones out there. There are ones that I think can incite more violence than another one. Um, But I also think that ultimately comes back to the human psyche and people and how you react to that thing. But point is, is there is a side of development whenever it comes to video games that we do not understand that does make sense to somebody else. And that specific thing that they are trying to create and immerse themselves in isn't necessarily always for you. Like that might be like, I think about the house, the house where you're cleaning stuff. If Coda is a real person, you know, and if the game is a metaphor, that's a, it's a great metaphor. If Coda is a real person, he wanted to make that space for himself to feel accomplished. Like, Oh my God, I designed this thing where I can, it's a, it's a constant loop where I can feel accomplished. Do you vibe with anything I'm saying right now? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and I, I really feel like 
that the the all those games of him in a prison or him where he's trying to escape a prison and he's always finding himself in a prison. I think that was a kind of a representation of how he may have been feeling at that time or or a specific message he wanted to convey to himself, almost like a painting. Because whenever you paint something, whenever you draw something, especially if it's in ink or you can't erase it, you can't change it, that is a very final thing. And that's kind of how I interpreted after I, you know, kind of came to the realization of, of what exactly I had played and been through. That is the realization I came came to is like this. There, so many of these games are like paintings meant to be enjoyed as for for what you interpret them as, you know. And because that's what he was doing whenever he made those games, he he had a very specific purpose that meant something to him, or else he wouldn't have done it, you know. And I like the argument of should games be playable to everybody, you know? What what what. Why not make a game that you know only you can beat? What kind of like that's that's kind of satisfying in a way because and I, I hear me out. I think about like Super Mario Maker. Well, you remember whenever I got Super Mario Maker and you came over and you played this really hard level, you know that I had made. Mm-hmm. And then once you learned the trick, it was like, oh my god, like this is hilarious. Like to me, that was satisfying because once you know I watched you try like ten or twelve times and you're like, I hate this, and I was like, all right, just do this thing. And then you realize, oh my God, this is so stupid, you know, so easy. That was a really weird sense of satisfaction that I got because it was a joke, but at the same time, I was the only one that really that knew how to beat the level or that really knew, you know, could to, could could traverse the level. And really there's a there's a trick to it and, and all this other stuff. But what if I didn't want anyone to beat it and I knew that I was the only one that could get through this thing, or I'm the only one that knew the trick, you know? Um I think that's pretty powerful whenever someone makes a space where that only they can explore, you know, and I've thought about a lot, a lot about this game since I finished it. And have, have you really thought about it much since you finished it? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, until now, it, it's, I didn't think about it a whole lot just because I was kind of looking at it more from if code is real from his perspective and it's like, he just wanted to be left alone pretty much. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And that there is nothing wrong with that. Like there doesn't, and I like the way he sums it up. There doesn't need to be anything wrong with me. Like I'm happy. And I think in even one of those quotes, he says, I'm very fulfilled in my work. Like I enjoy what I do and I I'm happy with what I've accomplished. I don't need you to try and push my stuff out there to give, to give me validation. I know my stuff's good. Now you keep pushing this stuff out because you need validation. Yeah. And, I think as human beings, you want to be, you know, there's that song, I want you to want me, right? That is a very real thing that people feel in various ways. Like, I, I want you to want me. Like, I want you to, I want you to want me to give you this thing. And that just happened to be these games that weren't his to share, but he did anyways. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like we could talk around this subject so much in, in this game because I feel like anyone who plays video games should probably play this. What do you think? Yeah, and I, I mean, anyone that... Not just video game fans, but I, I really think anyone could play this and find enjoyment in it. Or if no one's telling you anything about it and you're playing it for the first time, you might make you feel kind of funny. Yeah, in, I... Uh, not in a fun way. Yeah, I, I never really... Oh yeah, are you? Are you? Is that a is that a dig? Yeah, because I'm like, oh yeah, it's like Edith Finch. It's a great narrative. It's like, well, not really. You know, it's a it's a walking simulator. Um, you know, and I think the the layer of realness to the game 
really is what did me in. And I'm like, I'm so glad I experienced this because you inherently now after playing this game, you have a, a perspective that you never had before. Mm-hmm. And now it makes you look at any game you play through a different lens. Um, for me anyways. And, and, and now like it almost, it almost helps you kind of take a more, uh, balanced critical view towards whatever, whatever art it is that you're taking in. Like what, what, what was this person feeling whenever they made this? And what do I think this person meant whenever they made this? And their interpretation might be completely different than yours. And they may find solace in just knowing that they know what this thing actually means. (laughs) <laughs> to them, you know, and I, I think yeah. that's a really beautiful thing because art, art really isn't, art is about expressing yourself. It's not really, you, if you're making art and doing these things solely for other people, I think there is a creative aspect of, you know, performance that of course does give you validation as a creator in some way. I mean, that's why we're doing this podcast is to be entertaining. But at the end of the day, you know why you're doing something. It's, it has to be for you first. And that doesn't really it doesn't really have to make sense to everybody else. It doesn't have to have a point to it. If you're finding enjoyment in it and it's helping you in your life, getting you through this crappy world we live in, then don't let anyone, you know, hate on you for it. You know what I mean? Like unless it's gonna unless it's gonna cause ill will and harm to someone else, then you know, that's my that's my spiel. But um do you have anything that you kinda wanna wrap this conversation up with? Uh, I think this probably more applies just what we're talking about. I think it more applies to indie games. Maybe, I mean, for, for sure some like triple A games, but I think that's why it kind of is so hard. Cause you think about like those, like the press at the end that are just like, whenever they're talking about, will the machine be fixed or whatever? Yeah. I think that AAA games they do get they turn into something they're not a lot of times. Yeah. And so it, there's not I mean that there's you know some sometimes you can you can get that but most of the time it's if you want heart in a game you'll get it from indie games more often indie narratives like this this is there's the games and then there's the idea that he's trying to convey whether it's real or not. And you can't get that from triple A games. No, it doesn't exist unless, unless you're someone like, you know, the big leagues that even once you, someone like Naughty Dog, right. They have these incredibly immersive experiences that take years to make years Mm -hmm. because they have a specific, they have a specific way that they want to tell you the story because to them, they want they their joy comes from you getting the same meaning out of what they have created. That's what it comes from. Is it's 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 made for you from their heart to share with you. And I feel like there's there, those developers are a dime a dozen or not. They're they're not a dime a dozen. I'm sorry. They're one in ten. You know what I mean? Like you don't get those developers that that really do take the time and care. But what we do get and see a lot of times is, you know, developers putting out something like Madden. You get it every single year. It's designed specifically to make money. You know, all games are designed to make money, obviously. Madden, you get a new one every single year. Not much changes, ever. You get a new Call of Duty. For the most part, never changes. 
Um, there are so many indie games, which we'll be talking about on this channel or on this podcast. There are so many indie games out there that I 100% remember and would not trade those experiences or what those games are trying to say or the way those games made me feel for half of the AAA perform or half of the AAA experiences that I've had. Like something like Bastion. Are you kidding me? Like Bastion or even this game? Like, I mean, man, there are, there are so many games out there that just indie games that hit you right in the feels because they're hungry for it. And they're, they're trying to show you that no matter what message you get out of it, they have heart and like it, it, it matters to them, which is yeah. really cool. So I, I like what you said about that. And so the fact of the matter is, is there's a really good chance that a lot of the indie games that are in development right now, they may not get made because of COVID. Like indie game developers are bleeding right now because of the quarantines and like the things put in place right now. And there's a really good chance if there's a, a dope indie game you've heard about that's in development right now, there's a good chance it's it, it may not make it, you know, because the big dogs are actually having a hard time right now. And yeah. indie developers, they only have so much funding. They only have so much money to make these things happen. So, you know, cherish your indie games that you have now because you may not have very many for a while, you know, or as as many. But so that's our TED talk. Thank you for joining. Um, that was our review of the beginner's guide and kind of what we got out of it, what we saw. It. And, you know, this is kind of a quote unquote untraditional um, review that we're going to be doing. But I after playing through this, I could not um, I could not really say how much there's no way to really re properly review this title. I think with any game, you know, even if you do get something spoiled, it's a game you need to play it. Um, so definitely go pick up the beginner's guide and kind of with these thoughts that we've had kind of make up your own, your own mind. And if you want to, if you want to talk about it with us, that'd be awesome. You can write in at geeklybyweekly one at gmail.com. That's the number one geeklybyweekly one at gmail.com. So Carter, are you happy that you played through this game? Yeah. Yeah, I am yep. too. I am too. Um, it is a game at the end of the day, even though it's a very weird game. What would you give this game out of 10? I would, I think for what it's trying to do, it does it perfectly. So I would say it's a 10 out of 10. I have to agree with you. 10 out of 10 easily. Um, because there's a real message to it. There is a real, very rarely, I've never had a developer talk to me and tell me exactly what's going on. Sorry, one minute. Oh, he has to pause. Um, I'm just going to keep going. I've never had a developer talk to me and tell me what this game is about explicitly and say, hey, this is from me to you. This is what's up. Carter's back. Zoom, ladies and gentlemen. Zoom. Zoom is one of those things where you just kind of have to, you know, you know, just make it work. But I was going to say, I've never Sorry had, no, no, no worries. It's okay. Um, never had a developer explicitly tell me what this, what a game is about, you know, or what I've had. I've never been able to have the full circle experience of this is what I experienced. This is what the developer told me it is. And then having that connection, I've never been able to really have it that way, be it that way before. So I have to say yeah. it, it perfectly achieves what it's trying to do. And I, even though we spoiled it and told you what it's about, you should still go play it for yourself. So for sure, for sure. 
But that's going to wrap it up for us here at Game Club. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. If you made it this far, obviously, we uh, we appreciate all the support you give us. Um, and we appreciate all the, you know, all the the interactions and just the listens. And we hope you're enjoying Game Club. Um, well, a special announcement. We want to say that me and Carter are actually going to be reviewing Xenoblade Chronicles. And he's smiling at me. I don't know why he's smiling at me. Do you need to go? No. What? What's so funny? Did you poop your pants? No, and he keeps making fun of me oh okay gotcha um we're gonna be revealing xenoblade chronicles over the course of four episodes i would say um the remake that just came out and uh we would appreciate it if you guys would stick along for us we don't know when the first episode is going to be coming out but be definitely be on the lookout and uh we we're excited to to bring that to you so carter you played xenoblade before right yep i've <laughs> I've so never, it's okay. It's okay. She <laughs> likes to have a good time. That's all right. All right. Well, before things get too much more out of hand, we are going to sign off and we will see you guys later. Be on the lookout for those reviews. Um, Carter, do you want them to find you? Uh, nope. Okay. Well, if you want to get into touch with Carter, yeah, you're here at uh, geeklybyweekly1 at gmail.com. You can follow us on all social media platforms at the wannabe critic. Definitely, definitely, definitely give our other podcast feed to listen. We have the wannabe critic, we have story time, and we have a guy and his wife. So we will see you later. Thank you for we'll preparing yourselves. Yeah, thank we'll, you. Thank you so much. Thank you for preparing yourselves for a plethora of hot takes, but just in popular opinions. I'm Gabriel Fast. Say goodbye, Carter. Goodbye, Carter. <laughs>